Welcome to Authority Issues, a podcast about leadership, management, and getting the band back together after a bit of a break. I'm Rachel Perkins, aka Pi or Pi Bob. I'm into words, operations, cheese, and whiskey, and of course, leadership. And I'm Kendall Miller, and today two people randomly stopped me in public to ask if I was okay, and I'm not really sure what that means, but... I'm not sure what that means either. You look fine to me. Um, But in any case, this ain't about you, man. (laughs) Today on the show, we're talking with A2, Engineering Manager at Slack. Thanks for being on the show today. Hey, great to be here. Thanks for being here. Yep. Great. Well, so let's dive right in. I mean, tell us about uh, your path to engineering management at Slack. How how did you get here? Where did you start? And uh, back as far up as you think is relevant. Wow, that's yeah, that's a long story just because so many years in doing this. Uh, but yeah, um, it's funny because I, I want to start with a story just recently where I was telling my team about how I was certified for Java 1.0 as a certified programmer. And they just looked at me like, wow. like I had you know, said something. <laughs> you do so not look ancient. that old. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah. So yeah, uh, started my career uh, as a software developer back when Java was still a baby and uh, definitely wasn't prepared for it because I was an electrical engineer by education. But yeah, mm-hmm. over the years went through um, kind of development you know, being an engineer, developing a lot of enterprise apps just because I was working um, outside of DC. Because you were working on Java. That's that's why it was all <laughs> enterprise apps. Well, at that time... Sorry, the, keep going. <laughs> the web was not as, you know, uh, popular yet. So for everything software sure. was pretty much uh, Java related. Yeah. So, and working... Uh, Outside of DC in the Beltway was a lot of, you know, federal and uh, state kind of enterprise software. So definitely went through uh, a lot of years doing that. Uh, Definitely as a developer, looking back, I was very, very hard to work with. (laughs) I was that (laughs) asshole developer who thought he knew everything. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. I find that uh, really hard to believe. Wait, wait, wait. But did you know everything? I mean, with hindsight, were you actually that good? So maybe you deserve to be an asshole or or, or no? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I want to take this. Worth asking. I, I want to take a st- step back here because you you said you glossed over this thing. You have a degree in, did you say electrical engineering? Yes. So what happened there? Like, uh, why did you not? Why are you not an electrical engineer now? I... Halfway through college, I realized I hated electrical engineering, but at the same time, too, uh, <laughs> I was—I didn't want to disappoint my parents by retaking every class so that I can do a different major. So I'm like, it's hard. I don't like it, but I'll stick it out, get it done, and I'll figure it out. So my first mm. job was kind of a transition. Like I was doing C, C++ for firmware. So kind of like bridging the gap between the two. And then the next chance I got, I jumped completely out of hardware and just jumped into software. So you started off right away. You were already writing software in college, I assume. Yeah. Yep. 
Okay. All right. And you're just like, oh, this is way cooler. Also, money. Money's good. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, and and finishing a degree and just like getting on with life is. I mean, there's something significant to be said for not being like, well, hang on a second, and you know, changing your degree 18 times and being debt uh, in debt up to your ears for the next 20 years, right? Right. Um, totally. So. Yeah. I mean, I have a degree in astrophysics. Am I an astrophysicist? No. But it's helped to have the actual completed degree on your on my resume. People are like, oh, well, she could probably I mean, figure out whatever. From, I have a degree in English. Do I live in England? No. So, no. Same, same thing, right, Rachel? Anyway. You do speak it very well, so. Yes, good job, Kendall. <laughs> anyway, so oh, I'm sorry. I, I kind of derailed this, but this always happens. Um, so yeah, so you you decided you weren't actually that into electrical engineering and you decided to become a software developer and you kicked off and your career building enterprise, enterprise apps. apps. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so what was your first like non-enterprise apps role or is that where you were headed with this? Uh, I think I was also like working uh, for a while at... Um, a commercial company. I don't know if they still exist in the U.S. It was Alcatel, like big telecom company. Um, again, mm -hmm. uh, but like software for like uh, management of you know some kind of ATM frame relay switches. I have no clue what they do anymore, but uh, a lot of that work wow. um, enjoyed it. Uh, but after that, I moved on to more like. I worked on the, uh, did some contracting work or consulting back in the day. Um, was a long time on a Red Cross project uh, through defense contractors like TRW and things like that. So, um, yeah, um, discovering along the way that I was becoming more and more, didn't realize it at the time, just looking back now that like, um, I was hard to work with for sure. <laughs> Uh, but how yeah. did you discover that <laughs> eventually? Um, I feel like I, it's like a lot of the things that at that time, like I was, you know, I was a single guy just totally immersed in technology with no other hobbies aside from technology. So like very, very like if I'm not working at work i'm working at home on some other side project right so i was always immersed in technology so like anybody i work with who had a life with kids and things like that right they probably were not immersed as much as i was so i always felt like i know more than you so let me tell you how it's done kind of mentality. Oh, I see what gotcha. you're saying. I was wondering yeah. where you're like, so being into technology really is bad? Like, I thought you were headed <laughs> that way. Like, no, no, you need to have other hobbies. <laughs> well, I thought you were going to say too, like, like someday you ended up in a management position with a somebody with somebody like young, a, you know, working for you. And you were like, this, this little shithead reminds me of me or, you know, whatever it is that you were going to, something like that. Yeah. Rachel's shaking her fist. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> Okay, so so keep going. So what's what's next? So you're writing code. You're you're kind of a pain in the ass to work with, uh, but you're making money. I mean, people are still paying you. You must be good enough at it that you know they're paying for the asshole. Um, so you know what 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 happens That's next? So unusual. <laughs> um, I think along the way, it was just me um, starting to recognize in myself of like things that are changing. 
I was finding that technology wasn't as exciting anymore. Uh, I felt like, you know, we're solving the same problems just with a better, shinier wheel. Like every year somebody would come up with like, hey, here's this brand new wheel that I just created. Let's just recreate the same software in this new type of wheel that I just discovered, right? So like, sure. I didn't feel any um, satisfaction from having to rebuild the same software just every few years for a different customer, just getting more money for it. Uh, it just wasn't great. Well, and let's be honest, Java 1.0 was the pinnacle of programming and everything that's come since has been terrible. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, keep going. Um, sure. So you start to wane, wane interest in the, in the technology and is that what attracted you to people leadership stuff or what, what goes next? I think along the way too, like I felt like I never really had a good manager that felt made me feel like I wanted to become a manager. I always viewed it as like, oh, this is where, you know, when you when you are no longer good at development, where you go to die in a sense. That's what my view Yo, of management ouch. was. <laughs> okay, you I were mean... a total jerk. You little shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that attitude is extremely common. Oh yeah. Uh, definitely. Um, yeah. So definitely like I, I that was a perception I had and I didn't see people management as being a path that I would ever take. Um, but it was more at that point was I wanted to understand more about myself and what made me um, feel connected to work and feel happy in general. Um, so I decided to move out west to um, California, thinking that change of scenery would make life better. Wait, where were you before? So I was uh, outside of DC. Oh, and, that's right. Okay, so yeah. so so you moved from DC to California because uh, beach and waves will make life. Yeah, okay, keep going. Right. So I ended up in San Diego. Uh, still kept working for uh, uh, clients back east, doing the same kind of work, uh, but more doing like my role was like more like you know architect slash tech lead in the team. Uh, doing a lot more like managerial work to like hiring, recruiting and all these things, but at the same time, like still feeling that something wasn't right. Like it was great. I was in close to the beach, sunshine every day, sitting outside in the middle of winter with shorts and a tank top and it's fine, right? It's life is great, but it wasn't. So uh, that's when I really started like, again, like trying to understand like, okay, I can't keep doing what I'm doing because I'm not enjoying life. Like work is a big part of me, like in terms of like, I get a lot of, um, sure. I don't know, self identity and satisfaction mm -hmm. from how I contribute. And um, if I don't feel like I'm contributing, I don't feel right. Mm -hmm. So um, at that time too, like agile was really picking up. So like, reading a lot about like agile and like how people matter started really playing into uh, what I resonated with. Um, at the same time, do one of my um, flights back east with the client. I picked up a book by Tony Shea uh, about Zappos. And again, like that click. So like little things started adding up 
and I started realizing just like that it wasn't the technology that I really enjoyed anymore. It was actually just working with the right people and being a part of a team that felt like a team and not just like a bunch of contractors or consultants making money in a room. <laughs> yeah. Interchangeable cogs. Right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. So, so what did you do at that point? Um, at that point, I'm like, I have to find a job that like the job, like the hourly rate no longer mattered. It was more about, I want to be with the right kind of people. So I pretty much applied for any developer job that I could find at Zappos. And luckily I got, um, at that time too, I had transitioned more into like engineering manager slash project manager on the project that I was working on. Um, but I'm like, I'm okay with making less money, going back to developing because I wanted to work at Zappos. Um, so that book so, had a big impact on you. Yeah. Um, You're sitting on this I, plane, reading this book and going, yep. okay, this is what I'm doing. You made a decision. Shoes. Right? I should. Right. Shoes. shoes. That's what you're, yeah, that's, yeah. sorry, keep going. I did buy a lot of <laughs> shoes there too, so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, so um, yeah, I moved to Vegas um, just, and it was great in a sense I started, I was a developer again, and it was great not to have that responsibility. It felt like um, it was a great time for me to just be creative again, surrounded by people also that were just like, just great in general. Like the culture at Zappos was something that I had never encountered before. Um, and that experience really transformed like how I thought about work. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. I, I guess finish your thought and then I'll ask this, but that, that, that transformed how you thought about work because, because you weren't working with assholes because people were actually competent. Like what, 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 what about the culture? I mean, was it just, they actually iterated on software in an exciting way, or was it like you were surrounded by highly competent people accomplishing tasks and that was invigorating or like, I don't like say say more. Give give us some specifics that excited you. Let me uh, tease out what you just asked. There were a few things in there. Yeah. So one thing was definitely like the culture of the people where they were helpful, they were friendly. Like moving to a new city, right? Like uh, by myself, you had no friends. Like and Vegas is not uh, a city where you easily meet friends, <laughs> right? Um, but like the culture itself was very welcoming. Everybody was like trying to make sure you fit in, not just to the company, but in the new city and everything. Um, and also people were very competent. People were willing to help out each other. Um, just a feeling of like, we're in this together. There was that mentality there. Um, sure. Yeah. And it was just, it was okay to be weird. Like I'm not saying <laughs> I'm weird awesome. in my my own fashion, but like it was okay to be who you are. There was no like mm -hmm. requirement to be like you have to be because you're in this role on this team. You're this kind of person. Uh, it could just be that you know you want to like 
things that I never d- had done before that was weird to me. For example, like there was a tradition at Zappos where we would have impromptu parades. So people would have something that they wanted to share with the company. And it could just be that, hey, let's get together, get some pom-poms and some noise-making things. And we'll walk around the building and go to the next building. And we'll announce about this. And we'll do the parade. Huh. I'm I'm not a, a candle. I you said with me. I'm not an extrovert. <laughs> <laughs> you're not a parade guy. Is I'm that not what a you're parade saying? guy. You'd also, you'd also come from being a, a federal contractor, right? Like, right. It could not be more different. Right. I expect. I mean, you were a Java developer. Like, Java <laughs> developers are not parade people. Let's just okay. Keep going. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome, so, though. It sounds really fun and also kind of overwhelming if you're an introvert. I'm like, I I find that like, yeah, a little it, hard it to was, take as well. It was definitely that like you weren't required to do this, but like if you you had the choice, like if you wanted to join the people, but as you made friends within the company too, like it was just the norm was a different norm, so that made me feel like it's okay, like, I wouldn't do it normally on my own. But I would participate and feel like that it was actually a good thing. Because I saw the, I would say the domino effect of these kind of interactions that you would have with people, um, that it brought people together, it made people feel like it's okay to be who you are, and not feel weird about it. So like there were things about the Zabos culture that I saw that was like hmm. things that I would not have normally done, but I saw how it made other people feel and in turn what it made me feel and kind of what kind of a feedback loop around that. Well, I mean, it sounds like and and you you call it culture, which it is, but it's it sounds like um, you know, to your earlier point, you you were everyone was there excited to be a part of something, a part of the same thing. We were all in this together. We're all moving forward. You've said a lot of these words, but it's like making sense to me in this like, I mean, particularly this parade example, but just like, hey, all we're we're here. We're gonna have fun. We're gonna do the thing. Like this is work, and let's let's have fun with it and announce the things we're proud of and share that with other people and go be ridiculous a little bit about it. And part like, of I can bigger. see how. Yeah, because if you're a part of an organization where, how do I say this? You're not a cog if you're jumping in a parade line and going over to the next building to tell everyone about your accomplishments, right? If you sit in your cubicle and nobody even knows I exist, let alone, you know, or sorry, A exists. I just found out at the beginning of this podcast that I have been saying A's name wrong for like years. I've known him for a while. Uh, so um, if, you know, if, if A can get up and just go over to another building and and bang a drum and or a tambourine i picture you as a tambourine person and uh <laughs> you know like sing the okay. praises of something you're building like like you know that's you yeah. you feel like you're a part of something and not just a little insignificant piece on a uh in a corner that's being ignored so i, there, I get that is there um, a question there <laughs> actually no, i have a no, question I I'm, I'm going a long ways around to say i finally understand what i think yeah, you mean. But, it uh, totally does make sense was was this at the ahead, time Rachel. so uh zappos had this big experiment that they did right with leadership where there weren't um there was there was not really a lot of structure if i recall like people formed groups autonomously to build software were you there during that time 
I was, and that was much later. So I had joined Zappos as a developer, but after a year, I transitioned back into being an engineering manager. Um, and for another year or so, we were just on a regular, you know, um, organizational structure. Um, Tony, um, he's passed away recently, but like he was still experimenting and doing things uh definitely and that was great to see just because like his interest in how people come together work together or be creative together was always like interesting to hear like every all hands will have a different speaker about different things that we could learn from and how we can be better right um but yeah the holacracy part the the no managers kind of part came later um yeah, so that was a totally different experience too. <laughs> um, it wasn't as... especially if you were an engineering manager at that time, <laughs> right? <laughs> but it wasn't as like no managers kind of mentality as how it would seem. Like in like, I feel like there's a PR machine behind it too, right? In terms of how magazines and articles would write about it, that made it sound more chaotic than it was. Um, it was definitely a big change, uh, definitely a different way of doing things, but it wasn't as chaotic as um, they made it sound like outside. Yeah. Okay. So, so wait, so you did some engineering management before, but they were player coach roles. Was Zappos the first time where you were a full-time engineering manager? Yeah. Yeah. Where okay. I, I and, pretty much stopped developing you know, coding on the side. <laughs> And and in that, were they training you to be a manager? Uh, was there any kind of formalized process there, or did they say it's holacracy, which means it's hell and good luck? Or I, you know, I don't know, like uh, Lord of yeah. the Flies, see what happens. Yeah, I think um, on that part there was no real um, training, or it's more of like. You're great with people. You seem to be uh, quite organized, and you've done managing of people before. In a sense, sounds. Are you interested? So I'm like, give it a oh, shot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And and I and and I think that was a, a pivotal time for me because the team I inherited uh, what just was comprised of just good people. Um, Sure. And Which is they, a big deal when you inherit good people. <laughs> Keep going. Sorry. Exactly. So, like, and initially I was hesitant to do that, to take that position just because I'm like, oh, it's a totally different new team uh, that I wasn't in before. And they had a good sense of like team culture already. Uh, and I'm like, I'm not sure if I'm a good fit. Like, maybe you should promote the senior person on that team to be a manager. But then uh, my manager at the time was like, no, 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 you should really consider this. So um, I, yeah, and taking that position made a big difference in my career because I would say that the expectation from the team um, pushed me to be a better person and a better manager. Um, they were a really good uh, set of people and they were great at doing their jobs. At the same time, they expected a lot from me. And in that challenge, like I pushed myself and I'm always grateful to that. Like they pushed me to be a better 
person and a better manager. So, I mean, that sounds like, like, I mean, how do I say this? Um, I know some senior leaders who are just no bullshit leaders. Like I've led for a while. I know what I expect and how I expect it. And I'm just not going to put up with bullshit. And it sounds a little bit like you were leading a team that was kind of in a similar situation. Like we just aren't going to be managed by bullshit. So like, I, we know what we're doing. Get your shit together or a gosh, damn it. It's going to take me a little bit. Uh, get, get your shit together. We, we, we know how we want to be led and and this is what we expect from you. And I imagine that's part of it. I mean, is that a little bit what was going on? Is Were they senior or were they just, delightful people like what does it mean that you were leading this great team so it was more indirectly um it could just have been in my own head too like that like that they expected more from me like they were definitely not the like hey we're 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 a great team already you should step up and manage us better it wasn't that way it was more like what you were saying like these are a great set of people and i want to make sure i'm doing right for them like that responsibility yeah. uh, just weighed on me and I wanted to be a better manager for that. Okay. okay. So how did you go about doing that? And then, yeah, we, I, I want to move along to next stages. Yeah. We, we spent a long time here at Zappos. It sounds like you were there quite a while. Uh, but I know that you've gone a lot further than engineering manager since then. So, you know, yeah. Back around. So, uh, um, yeah, definitely. Um, I was there, I was at Zappos for about five years. Um, like I was within the holacracy system for about a year and a half or so, I believe. And then uh, towards the end, I just, um, I lost, there was a lot of attrition on the team just because we were also going through this huge migration project that was multi-year and that's always difficult. Um, and I also started just, um, while I was trying to be a better manager, like I, I was constantly trying to read a ton of books, you know, just researching more and more into how you can be a better manager. Because I felt like when I was being managed by other people, I felt like I learned all the things that you shouldn't do. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know what are the right things to do. So I kind of learn on this, right? Like, so like I, I was just constantly researching and just reading up on things to see like what makes a, a, a good manager or a great manager so that I can be that. Um, and I was also seeing that like, at least in my experience, I wasn't getting the training or the mentorship that would help me get to that level. And I also felt like all the mm -hmm. tools that we used around me uh, that was helping with productivity, but wasn't really helping managers become better managers. Like it would be like a lot of project management or like, you know, related to development and all these tools were there. But for managers to become better managers, there was no tools, I felt like. Um, okay, that lack pretty of much, Right. That pretty much uh, pushed me to leave Zappos because I'm like, I want to help in that space. Like I want people like me who's looking, who's hungry to learn and who's hungry to have tools to make me be a better manager, how can I help build that? So um, that's when um, I left Sappos and started really thinking more about starting a, a company where I can build a product that can help managers become better managers. So mm -hmm. for about a year, I did some consulting gigs just because I didn't have a, 
a concrete product idea yet. I had multiple ideas, but not one that I could really sink my teeth into yet. So for about a year, I did some consulting work with a few friends. Um, and then after that year, I started Dialog, which was um, a product to help managers um, manage teams and make sure that the team is performing at a high level. So that's when I met Kendall. Yeah, and you and I <laughs> talked about that. Um, started Dialog and decided that the first thing to do was help managers have better one-on-ones. So like um, all the knowledge that I've been collecting and uh, kind of synthesizing over the years, I started trying to productize it into Dialog. So pretty much um, started becoming a developer again, a product person again, project managers, everything. All but the, the kitchen sink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was definitely the most um, creative time for me in my life or in my career. Um, just being able to sink into a topic that I really connected with. And I felt like I could make a difference. Um, I had never really like, you know, I've built products before, but I never felt like I was doing something that's going to make a difference in people's lives. Um, and yeah, definitely was very, very interested and like started getting into more like human psychology, behavior and things like that. Started reading psychology papers, which is really weird to me initially. But then like <laughs> I found, I found I myself Makes enjoying sense. them. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm like, my wife would be like, um, what are you reading today? And I'm like, oh, this psychology table that I found. And she's like, and you're smiling while you're reading this? And I'm like, yeah, like this, <laughs> I can apply this to do the product. And that made me so happy to take like, you know, things that were scientifically or like evidence proof that like it can help people. And like being able to like take that and sure. try to put it into a product was very, very like um, satisfying. Yeah, and you had ownership over what you were working on completely. Right. And that, did that make a difference to you? Or was it just more that you got to do a, a whole wide range of things? I think it was just the ownership was definitely one big part, like me being able to take control of my own path. But at the same time, with just this realization that like, I don't know, something that like, you know, building enterprise apps for large organizations or selling shoes were great, but it didn't have this feeling of like, I can help people feel connected and better at work. Cause I feel like if I make a difference mm -hmm. in people's lives at work, they'll go home and take that feeling with them. They'll go to their families and come home in a great, with a great sense of, you know, accomplishment and family lives could be better. There were so many things that I thought about, like that could be like a domino effect. I don't know if that was true, sure. but at least to me, it resonated with me. Yeah, yeah. And so what happened at that point? Uh, you're not, you haven't made that, you know, that isn't that public company didn't go public as far as I know, or get bought. So yeah. what happened? So I discovered that I'm a horrible marketing and salesperson. <laughs> <laughs> That shit is hard, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, yeah. So, like, there were two other people who were working with me. So, we were a very bootstrapped, small team that was just trying to 
find product market fit. We were trying to find customers. And we found we found a lot of people who were interested in using the product. But I felt like um, from lessons learned perspective, the people we connected with, the managers and the teams who were who wanted to use the software, they just didn't have the budget. Um, that was one thing that- Yeah, there's that least, lack of investment. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, same issue that I went through where as a manager, right? Like there was no budget for me to get better. I mean, maybe one conference a year and that was the extent of the education of a manager. Yeah. Um, and having, understanding that like, the budget was either in HR or somebody else's umbrella and not under the actual team's umbrella for them to, you know, use. Okay. Makes it makes me well, this is like giving me all kinds of ideas. I used to process this this whole thing with A all the time. So it's it's something I'm tuned into. But you did eventually walk away from dialogue or at least put it down for a time. And now you're at Slack. Like tell us a little bit of how you went from that to this and what this is like today. Yeah. Um, it's, it was a long break. How do you, how do you, <laughs> how, yeah. How do you put down your baby? And, <laughs> and... Um, I'm sure my wife wished that I had put down, put down dialogue a lot sooner than later, but uh, it took me a while to step away just because there was a lot of um, personal identity kind of meshed in with the product. Uh, I don't regret that part because again, like I feel like how I contribute to the world is a big part of who I am. So, um, but yeah, um, long story short, I decided that I need to make some money <laughs> and contribute to the family. Minor um, detail. Minor sure, detail. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for, for a little bit, I was just doing um, contracting work, doing a little bit of development stuff on the side just to bring, you know, get some income back in. But along the way, I'm like, okay, I want to get back to, again, like, you know, my desire to work with a team. Uh, collaborate and you know be a part of a bigger picture again so but then I also was being a little bit picky like I also want to make sure that like again like going back to what made me happy was working with great people and not just like solving big problems but just people who are motivated but at the same time realize that we're all human at the end of the day and how we treat each other is a big deal when we uh, when we work together yeah. so um, yeah, so, and Slack was kind of like at the back of my mind, um, just because like, you know, how they view, um, team culture and kind of the values that they, uh, identify with and also like the way they were involved in, you know, what the future of work could look like was exciting to me, um, because I felt like yeah. that's a new frontier that nobody's really figured it out and we're all going through it right now. Um, and yeah, things sure. just, um, I, and I mentioned this in Kendall too, like along the way I got COVID. So, uh, um, oh, dang. Figure yeah. Out, like, yeah, while I was starting to interview with Slack, I got COVID and like, I was, so yeah, but like things just worked out. Things just like kind of fell into place where like, um, by the time Slack reached out and I was ready, the timing was right. And now I'm at Slack as an engineering manager. <laughs> so 
Okay, so we got, we have to ask the question we ask everybody, and that's you know what's your relationship with authority, and and I think that you're going to have some kind of interesting perspective on this because, um, well, you went from a retrospect that Manages says you used to be well, you used to be kind of, of a pain in the ass to work with, and to to uh, engineering management to holacracy, right, to running your own thing with no. Uh, uh, nobody to report to back into sort of a stereotypical machine. So t- tell us, yeah, how, how do you feel about having authority over others? How do you feel about being in a position of authority and, and others having authority over you? I think having to go through all these different things um, has given me a, like a lot of perspective and being able to communicate with other people because I know like the different places they could be coming from. Um, so like, for example, like being able to work with developers, but at the t- same time, understanding like in that phase in their career, what is important to them, right? Because I went through it and also like, I could also see like, if you don't have the right mentor or coach in place, you could go off the edge and become that asshole developer like I was. Um, and at the same time, like when I have also like, you know, was able to go through holacracy and realizing like, you know, what happens if you take away managers or mentors or coaches that could be right. Helping people develop and just say like, Hey, it's self-organized and do things your own way without any real direction. What could happen? Um, and then working on my own startup was also giving me a perspective of like, how creative you can be if things really connect with you, like what you're working on. And like if managers can give that to teams, I think that can make a huge difference in the success of a company too. Um, instead of just, you know, directing people to work on tasks, right? Like I felt like managers should also provide that or translate the company vision or, you know, or the your pillar vision down at the team level. And I think you could make a big difference in people's motivations. Um, so yeah, all these, I felt like it's a mosaic of things that I've <laughs> hobbled together um, to try to give back to people so that I felt like there were times in my career that I wasted. Um, but if I had had a mentor or a coach or a manager that could have helped me grow faster or, you know, grow in a way that could have been better. But, okay, I want to press a little bit on that. Um, I mean, maybe we're putting words in your mouth saying, you know, you said you were difficult to work with as a developer and Pi and I both are like, you were a little shit, you were an asshole. <laughs> and maybe neither of those things are true. Like, like uh, I mean, you are an extremely humble, kind person now. Is that maturity and growth over lots and lots of years that you think would have been sped up by a manager slash mentor, like you're saying, or are we just completely mischaracterizing the, you know, uh, little shit a of your youth? Um, you know, were you just a kind guy who was arrogant a little bit behind the scenes or like, what, what did that actually look like? And I don't know, that's a lot of questions there. No, definitely maturity. I think, um, I feel, and again, I don't know, right? Looking back, it's just like hindsight is always like twenty twenty. But I felt like 
it would have helped me to have better mentors or better managers uh, along the way. But at the same time, too, right? Maturity. Like, I, I think I was just immature. Uh, you know, I don't know. It, it's like you're in your 20s. You don't have any real responsibilities. You're making good money. You're kind, you know what you're yeah. doing. And, you know, it's I don't not know. unusual, just... no. As someone who has worked in, in the software companies for the last 25 years, that's that's a pretty common archetype, honestly. You think you've made it. Yeah. You're, you're a 20-something dude, especially, and you have no responsibilities and you you think and you're making a ton of money for your age and you just think, oh, I must be the I must be the shit, man. And that's how it works. And I we had uh, and I, I'm, I'm feeling bad about not remembering who it was we were speaking to about this. But on a previous show, we had someone who said they had somebody who stopped them from becoming that person uh, as a oh, that's like they, they had a they had a manager who did exactly what you had, you know, felt like you missed out on uh, in your in your growing up is they they showed them not how not to be that person how to actually be a leader how to actually hmm. get consensus how to think about how other people feel uh, and i thought i thought that was really awesome like they were super self-aware about that later on like you're saying you know it took you growing up a bit to learn that about yourself so right. no it totally makes sense to me uh yeah, and i wanted to ask you you know we covered you have had a long career and it started out very differently from where you are now uh, what, uh, you obviously have a different relationship with authority than you did when you were a kid. Um, what, what kind of, uh, leadership problems or what kind, what kind of a leadership issue are you dealing with now? Is there anything you're trying to grow about yourself? Is there anything you're trying to learn or get better at specifically at the moment in the craft of leadership? I think definitely one thing that I'm trying to get better is with execution. I think as a, um, leader, right. It's great to care about your team. It's great to uh, make sure that their growth and progression is going in the right direction and all these things, right? But at the end of the day, you still want to execute to make sure that you're getting the job done, which is as important or even more important than taking care of your team. And I think um, being able to balance those two things is quite important. Because at the end of the day, right, you're still trying to make sure that the product is successful, the company is successful, and that feeds back into the team being successful and we're able to keep going at it, right? So that's definitely one thing that I'm, I'm keeping my eye on in terms of like, how can I be better at executing and helping the team get the job done? The other thing also that I've been more interested in lately is more of like the idea of friction within companies. Um, you know, any large organization you're in, right? It could be that your team is doing amazingly great, but at the same time, you're working with other teams. And as leaders, right, we're always trying to remove or decrease the friction between people, between teams, um, and like how we can get better at it. And that's I've been thinking a lot about it these days just because of like, you know, whenever you work in larger organizations, right? You see these symptoms that come out of like where things are not working well and there's some kind of friction that's going on, but you don't really know exactly what friction that is and how to solve that long-term. To me, that's like a very interesting problem just because we're going back to human behavior again, <laughs> which has been mm -hmm. uh, my kind of like uh, pet project for the past, Few years 
Totally. Sure. Leadership is right. all about how people are in, you know, it's relationships, as Kendall will tell you, it's about talking with people, not necessarily about, I mean, obviously, as a, as a middle manager, as a, a senior manager, you have tasks, you have to make sure the team achieves, right? And you were just talking about that. Right. But the, the high, the, the skill that you typically don't have when you go into this is getting get having people get along having people communicate with each right. other effectively having having clarity of vision together rather than a separate yeah, vision right. for each team and we're hitting kind of low on time so i wanted to ask you uh, i wanted to move on to uh, like non-work things kendall did you have anything else you wanted to ask first no no that's great i i do want to ask you said you said that uh, when you were young you didn't have hobbies and it was work at at work and come home and work at night what what, what about now what's now um, yeah what do you, what, what do, you what do for fun hobbies? outside of work um now that i'm in denver uh, yeah like definitely like um Woo! no like i started in uh vegas i've gotten really into like hiking uh i think people don't know about vegas but vegas is a great place for a lot of like great hiking trails around there uh a lot of mountains and like not just the desert but like a lot of mountains and trails so like, i've gone into hiking a lot so that still is a very uh large hobby of mine just being outdoors um i've got a, a toddler now so being able to take him out and you know do things outdoors has been really great um yeah like um over the years like you know i've gone through the um um being active and not active, like doing CrossFit and not CrossFit now, but like exercise is a big deal, a uh, big part of my life. So like during COVID time, I've become kind of the um, kettlebell master, at least in my own room. <laughs> uh, so yeah, definitely. How I many think, Turkish uh, get-ups can you do? <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> anyway. We're just I don't know what that is, but are all kettlebells the same weight? No. No. So, so how uh, yeah. big of a kettlebell do you lift? Do you lift uh, the heaviest kettlebell? Is there bigger kettlebells? Do you do you oh, increase in oh, size? Oh, you're gonna have to show Kendall all of this. You're totally. I can't <laughs> yeah. wait. I can't wait for this. <laughs> all right. Uh, uh, so awesome that you are starting to get back into the leadership roles that you were interested in, and you're you're able to research around and. Uh, and and apply things that you're learning and spend time focusing on the stuff that interests you about human psychology. I think that's super great. Um, if people have questions about uh, what you're talking to us about today, how can they find you on the internet? Um, easiest ways, I think Twitter. I think, uh, yeah, I'm always on it, at least stalking people. So if they want to stalk <laughs> me on Twitter too. Um, my handle is this is again showing my Java 1.0 maybe uh, old man thing, <laughs> but it's, my Twitter handle is Damn It Jim. Oh, it's nice. Like, um, <laughs> so, it's yeah, like yeah. on Star so, Trek. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and definitely, right. you can always pull me up on LinkedIn. So I will put that. I don't think I realized that you're. That your Twitter was damn it, Jim. That's hilarious. Well, thanks so much for being with us, A, and uh, appreciate the time. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for having me. Appreciate it.